Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey, friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. Welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant, where we're working our way through who I think are the most relevant players that we've got to have a conversation about for your fantasy footy season of 2022. We're out of the teens. We're at 12 today, getting real tight to my top 10. And in at number 12, it is Max Gorn. Wow, has he been a star for us for, it feels like a decade, but it's not far off it. He's been that good of a ruck option for us for that long. Joining me on this episode to talk about Max, i got Rids. Hello, mate. How are you? Hey, is that a few days in a row for me or? It's getting, it's getting close to a couple of days. I think we're at three days in a row for you now, man. So I think we went through the twenties without you. So we're just leveling it back. Mate, when the whips are cracking, you call the big guys in here. (laughs) Get the big dogs back in, mate. And certainly from a fantasy footy perspective and here in the coaches panel, there's no bigger than you, my friend. At 30 years old, this Melbourne Demon Premiership Captain Ruckman. Man, we couldn't get through the 50 most relevant this year without putting him in. His highest score last year was a 145 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. Came against the Geelong Footy Club, while it was a 172 against the Hawks. Neither, though, are really that tight towards what his career numbers are. You've got to go back to 2019 for that. It was a 154 against the Kangaroos, while in that same game, oh yes, my friends, he's a part of the 200 club, a 212 against North Melbourne. Averages, well, they're down a little bit. And that's the first time we've said that in a long time for Max Gorn. A 108.5 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and a 120 in Supercoach. In that format of Supercoach, he is going to set you back $657,000 and 400 if you really want to be that specific. We can absolutely do that for you. With AFL Fantasy, it's 911000 Well, it's 925900 in AFL Dream Team. Rids, there are plenty of reasons why people might look elsewhere in 2022 from the ruck line. And we'll get to that later on. But last year, was the perfect year for Max Gorn from a pure football sense, the drought-breaking premiership win, the inspirational captain, and in more games than I think people probably realised, as good as Petrarca and Oliver were, he was in so many games the X factor and the difference maker that set up their premiership success. This is crazy, isn't it? So Maxi Gorn, to me, feels like, and I mean, this is after the fact, it feels like he sort of just cruised through the year, kept himself yeah. kept himself ticking over. But the funny thing about this is he was still the highest average in ruck across the formats pretty much. Like, yeah. And I know we could say, well, you break up this for Darcy or this and that. Sure, whatever. But he... He's averaged 108 over the whole season in Dream Team and AFL Fantasy. Yeah, one man super coach. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, at the end of the day, he's still a clear top two rack, isn't he? And it just feels like he's snuck under the radar of a few people here. But we'll go into the reasons why that's potentially people are looking elsewhere. But I'll tell you what, he's still clear top two ruck for the year in my eyes. I don't know about yours, but I yeah. feel like also let's let's 
when we break this up, we're almost going to have to separate Super Coach from Dream Team and AFL Fantasy. I think it just so. feels like he's such a Super Coach beast. Yes. That even if he doesn't spend as long in the rucking position, he's yep. still going to get that score week in, week out through Super Coach from and, his and advantage. Hitouts to advantage, score involvements, contested marks. Um, he's such a good player in so many of these different areas. First in the league um, for total hitouts, 15th for contested possession. So he's winning the ball in tight, even though he's got Clary, Viney, Petrarca. He's still winning his fair share of it. Third in the AFL for total contested marks. And an interesting stat just to keep in the back of your mind, especially when you're starting to think about the evolution of Luke Jackson. 10th in the league for total time on ground. Just keep that little nugget in the back of your mind as the year goes on. Let's look at his year from a fantasy footy perspective. 15 AFL fantasy and dream team tons. Five of them over 124, 130 plus, and just the three scores beneath 90 all year. Ranked 12th in all of AFL fantasy and dream team for points and 16th for averages. And as you mentioned, Ritz, this is a guy that people viewed as a it was a good year from Gorn, but not an outstanding or, or the normal superlatives from him. That's a positive sign. While in Supercoach, as you said, this has always been his bread and butter format. 18 tons, 11 of them over 120, four of them over 140, and three 159 plus. And he had just the one game where he won under 90 all year. Absolutely insane. Fourth for total points, fifth for averages, right off the back of what he did in that monster 2020 season too, which we won't need to go into. Uh, it was just extraordinary what he did. I think it was pretty much Gary Ablett was the only player in Supercoach that's got a legacy seasonal average that was above what he did in that um, COVID-affected 139.9. But he, he's just been a beast for so much of our time. And I do think, Rids, you're right. We almost need to look at Gorn in a couple of different factors. And, and I'm keen to, to work with them through you through this. It's the what he did pre-buy, what he did post-buy, and what he's done from a ceiling perspective. And then, as you so rightly put, this is where we do need to break up the formats a little bit. Because if we do look at this as a one-size-fits-all brush, we'll either exaggerate or not give enough credence to the scoring ability he has. Yes, yeah, so I, I got this funny feeling, and I was just looking through. It's sort of like he sort of cruised into the finals last year. Um, and again, that was more gut feel watching the games and everything else. It, he was never in, I don't know how to say it, full high-intensity mode until they hit the finals again last year. So it's I could almost argue that, he almost represents values at the moment because of the way he managed himself into the finals. And I um, think that's a statistically that's there backing us up, Rids. Because remember, for the first dozen or so games of the year, Melbourne on that winning streak, um, Crows somehow found a way to beat him in Adelaide Oval. Kind of, it was probably one of the best things for the Melbourne Footy Club, to be honest, where it's like, oh, there is some things we've got to do. And then you're right. I think that run home easing is there because this is a stats, pre-buy, post-buy. Pre-buy, he averaged 111 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. Post-buy, when it was just about getting to finals, 104.8. In Supercoach, 126.46 pre-buy, 13 games, 112.5 post-buy. So I think you're right. I think that's a, a valid narrative. 
Yeah. So, and plus, I mean, the other thing that I always, that's why I'm saying, let's break this up a little bit, okay? Supercoach, okay, when I look at Supercoach, if we're doing a most relevant top 50, you know, in Supercoach, I don't see how Gorn doesn't be top three, really. That midfield, that midfield that he's got around him, okay, are just contested beasts. They just win the ball all the time. And they use it well too, yeah. The funny thing about this as well is if you really, really think about the second layer of their midfield, so you take away the Olivers and Petrarchas, and we already know how much guns they are, and you go to a Viney or a Harms or whoever it is, okay, they're mm. all just inside balls. Yeah. He has monsters around him that just love contested ball. So, and we already know that he wins a large chunk of hitouts anyway, but Often it's, you know, who's who wins that, you know, ball when it gets hit out to win that um, actual points, hits out to advantage and stuff. I mean, he's just built for super coach. Like, so that's why I'm sort of like going, you need to almost go, radio. super coach is a totally different discussion to like um, Dream Team or AFL Fantasy or whatever you want, okay, depending on the scoring. Supercoach, I think, is our absolute guarantee top two ruck for the year. I agree. And and we talked about Sean Darcy on this a few days ago, and this is no knock on Sean. But for me, I I just can't see how Gorn gets dethroned out of that top two. Whether it's Grundy, whether it's Darcy, whoever you want to put, I I just don't see one of those names not being Max Gorn in Supercoach. Well, Darcy was a monster late last year in Supercoach. So, I mean, he's he's one pushing towards it, but I, I don't know. I don't have the – when I sleep at well at night, I want to have Gorn in my super coach team. Um, yes. You know, when you've got Sean Darcy, you're, it's sort of like you're test, like testing faith. It's running the gauntlet, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's like dancing with your sister at prom night. Or, oh. Like, oh. it's just – it just doesn't feel quite right. Oh. You know? But the thing is, though, like, I mean – and again, I don't want to park on this too much. So that's sure. why I'm saying separate Supercoach from the other formats. Because yeah. I think there is a definite decline occurring in AFL fantasy and dream team for Gorn scoring. And that's probably coincides with um, the development of Luke Jackson, doesn't it? It does. And, and especially, I think it's... Uh... The basement and the floor is still very sound through 2020 and 2019. Um, it's the ceiling games that have started to dissipate in these formats of the game. So those those monster 120s that he was delivering, and 2020 is a hard year to look at because of the adjusted averages and the elongation of stuff, blah, blah, blah. But again, only one in three tons last year in Dream Team and Fantasy. We're over 120 or more. Uh, that is a fall away from what he's done through there. Even just purely from a hit outs perspective, even though from an average of possessions, he had more possessions this year than he's had over the entirety of his career. He's had more marks this year, just gone than he's ever had in his career before, but he's also had the lowest hit out numbers since 2014. And that's included 2020 where it was basically a, full quarter short so 32 hit outs he averaged last year that's really dropped away because as you've said the emergence of luke jackson has come and it's probably most noticeably seen not just 
in the grand final. And that's the game everyone points to. But it's the AFL season evolved. You see the growth of Jackson. Again, he's not really huge amounts of CBAs, but it's enough. Like, for example, in the first 13 games of the year, Jackson averaged 26% CBAs. In the last nine games of the year, he averages 26% CBA. So, of course, Gorn's in that mid-70s across the formats. In the final series, Gorn averages 64% CBAs. Jackson starts to move to 34. So I don't know if that split becomes much more drastic than that, Ritz. And he still averaged 127 in AFL Fantasy, 119 in Supercoach. So still fine in, in that portion of the game. But I think that is the narrative coaches are concerned is it's probably going from a 25-75 split to a 65-35 split in 2022. It's really 10%, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's, it's chop it off 10%. Um, I don't see much more than that. 60, no, I don't think it can. percent is probably the low end. But again, I just this is an absolute credit that we're even talking about this because Gorn's actually gone and taken his game to the next level and in, he's added tools to his game where he can actually go forward and take a big yeah. clunk in mark. Yeah, well, that prelim final was huge, wasn't it? Yeah, so I think the more that he gets like um, familiar with that role and comfortable in that role, the yeah. more we're likely to see him more being a more dangerous forward than what Jackson will, especially at the moment, because I still think Jackson's got a few years of development body-wise. Yes. So he's going to be pushed off the ball a little bit more. But, I mean, Jackson's a freak of nature. Okay? Yeah, he's no going to be a beast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but, I mean, what a credit, yeah? What an absolute but amazing tool. Is there a chance, MJ? I'm just going to throw out a nice little curveball to you oh, right I love now. This. Here we go. We have seen that positions are changing through the Across year. The formats. Is there a world that Gorn may play enough in a chunk through the season forward yep. that he actually gets explored and he may pick up a forward eligibility as well? I 100% think that's the case. Generally, it's about that 35% in a position and especially at centre bounces um, for you to be eligible to pick up a, an additional status just based purely off what champion data have done in partnership with AFL Fantasy. If Gorn picks up forward status, because all it would take is in a six-game stretch, him to just have some opponents where they're like, you know what, we think we can expose Jackson to 40%. Yeah, um, but CBAs. Are, you know, out of the six game stretch, if you get the timing right, if they might be well ahead in four of those games yeah. when it's a 50 50 split, and yeah. they just go, you know what, Maxi, you go forward. We don't need to risk you. We don't yeah. need you in the rough. We're just experimenting for finals again. Yeah. See, that's one of those clear. It's. I know it, we're um, stretching a little bit. Sure. Think, no, you're proving a point. Yeah, it's just like it is possible. So, I mean, I would say. And again, MJ, I hate doing this. I would say Gorn potentially as a starter, mm -hmm. maybe it's worth just exploring the impact of how well Jackson's going, yep. um, especially over the preseason. He might have had a slow preseason. He might have doubled in size and he's just going to play predominantly ruck. But it's going to be one of those ones where I don't think you can start Big Max, nope. but I think the intention should be end with Max. Uh, and I think that's right. And I think part of that's also linked to another element, which is um, 
it's not just about Gorn. It's about what's happening around him in our ruck division. We've got a really nice rookie option that I think most people, unless they're looking to throw away R3 as a vice-captaincy loophole, Hayes at Port Adelaide feels like he's going to get plenty of game time, especially with the departure of Peter Laddams. He's been knocking the door down in the sandful. The club have resisted um, plenty of opportunities of clubs seeking for his services via a trade. So I think they need to give him game time. And I think he's going to be a really nice support act to Scott. There's another guy too, just quietly as well, MJ. There's another Mm. guy up the Gold Coast that may very well sneak in for a game here and there in Royal. Yeah, mid-season draft. Even Edwards at North Melbourne um, was one of the first mid-season picks. So we've got these cow options. Um, He may make an appearance later in the 50 most relevant, but Proust feels like a real no-brainer to me in R2. And if he gets, let's be honest, he's going to make it into the last bit of the 50 most relevant. The question is where, not if. So we'll talk about him when we get to that episode. Then it's about who's at one. But I don't think, even though we've had O'Brien, even though we've had Wits, even though we've had um, Marshall, I think's even been through the 50 or, or Darcy. You just go, as they're close enough, good enough to beat him. And if it is across the formats, then a genuine conversation could be had. But if it's not, then you're right. I think Gorn is the guy, whether he picks up DPP or not, whether he gets eased through the season or not. I still think he's very clearly a top two ruck for me. And it would take a stunning season from an O'Brien, a Marshall or a Darcy to dethrone him from an R1, R2 position by year's end. Yeah, there's going to be some really nice matchups where you just go, you know, I need a captain or a vice-captain option yeah. and Gorn's going to play and you're going to go, you know what, I might just throw the VC on Maxi because Maxi's playing Burgess from last year. Yeah. Um, you know, there's going to be times through the year because not every club has um, a gap, like a clear ruck if that makes sense well this is who he's got in the first six weeks if you want to look at that the western bulldogs round one we saw what he did against the bulldog rucks gold coast in round two essendon round three port adelaide round four gws round five richmond round six hawthorne round seven st kilda round eight west coast round nine feels like the first imposing matchup for him yeah, so maybe I got it wrong, you know. Maybe I'm reading this wrong and maybe he is a starting option. But the thing is, though, for me, they're the matchups that I worry with, with Gorn. For the split. Now, yeah, me too. Well, I just, I, I really think the, and no, no game's easy, okay, MJ and Melbourne's going to be keen to get wins on the board early, you know, like they did last year. Um, so there's no such thing as an easy game, but there are times through games last year where, Gorn drops out and plays a kick behind play. He just doesn't get involved. And I don't know how many times me, you, and Kane were sitting in a chat going, what are you doing, Gorn? Get Get back on that contest, you know? Yeah. Because, like, he just sat up. It was crazy, a kick behind play. He was almost playing as a pseudo fullback at times. Yeah, it was a sweeping role, yeah. Oh, it's ridiculous. I, I know Kane, <laughs> poor Kane lost his mind because he is a Melbourne supporter. But, but, I mean, there are there's a world where this actually grows and gets more frustrating as it goes. But yeah. I just can't see another option apart, you know, as R2 at the moment. 
I, yeah, I not that I've got confidence in. I, I agree. I think there's yeah. some guys that are growing um, and that could. And could's the key word. And that's why, for me, I feel like the ruck line's almost the easiest line to pick this year. There's yeah, a real well, we obvious... don't have that gap, do we? Yeah. We don't have that gap anymore. Like, no, we don't. That gap, whilst it still existing of 10, 15 points between you know the obvious few and the next lot, it's no longer 20, 30-point gaps. No, it's it? close enough. It's like, I reckon, like, and I mean, I think there's another guy that we haven't mentioned, obviously, that may feature in the next few yeah, weeks. Yeah, we're talking around him, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we are. We were trying not to talk too clearly for him, but I mean, all reports are he's going to bounce back. He's going to do good. Yep. But I mean, for me, he represents value because we yes. know he had a down year. We've gone. I don't think it was so much a down year more than a, not really a change it off the guard either. It's more of a step back, you know, mature, yeah. manage my way through the season as best as possible. Um, try and still help the team by playing that kick behind play, floating role, just in case there was any chance of Melbourne getting rolled or upset yeah. games. So I think there's a different narrative around this, okay, that I really do believe that it's it's really intriguing, MJ. If you go years ago, we used to say, "Oh, well, it breaks your whole structure if you go so and so." Okay, but the thing is, like, if you get fifty or sixty points out of your second rack, you're yeah. only potentially dropping 30, 40 points a game. Quite possibly, and you yeah, might be picking if, that if the pack up. has come back from one twenties to hundreds then you're right. You are only missing 30, 40 points. And you can make that up with the 400K you save elsewhere. Well, if you're saving 450K, okay, that's two upgrades. That's two massive upgrades. Yeah. That's got to be more than 40 points, doesn't it? I think it should be. So, yeah, Gorn's intriguing me. I I think Gorn becomes more and more relevant the more and more you look at it. But there comes a bit of risk around it. So I'm assuming... He's number 12 because of that risk element around Gorn this year. Got to factor it in. Otherwise, he's he's a clear top 10 guy, probably top five um, right across the formats. He's such a good player. If you're not going to start him for whatever variance, absolutely no problem. But you, ca- I don't see how people go set and forget without Gorn as one of those options. I, I just feel like you're putting too much hope in a regression of him a progression of others and no DPP movements elsewhere. So for well, me, I if, couldn't do a set and forget without Gorn. MJ, but if people are doing a set and forget, the whole idea of that is you pick your best two options. Correct. And I don't think it's and, clear best two without Gorn. Well, the thing is, the reason why set and forget has been so effective over the past, you know, 10, 15 years is because there's always been a top two. And a clear it's top always, two. Yeah. Yeah. There might be a group of three maybe four, you know, that bits and pieces and it changes at times. But you think about way back to Cox and Sanderlands and then you move forward into the Gorn and Grundy era. The reason why you do set and forget is you pick them and that position's done. You just ignore the rest of anything, whether they score 30 one week, 100 the next. doesn't matter. If they play, if they get named, you just move on and you forget it. That's solved. the whole idea of it. So would you be comfortable with a Darcy, a Marshall, an O'Brien, you know, those types coming through? And I can't no do a set and forget now. without without going as a set and forget option. 
I, I just can't. I, I can't do it. And it's not to say these guys won't, but that's why for me, he's so relevant because at any point in time, Gorn's got the proven history, even with Jackson in the side, even this year gone with the gradual transition that's still going to be gradual. He's still just as good, if not better than any other ruck we have. That's why he's so relevant. And I couldn't endorse a set and forget structure without him. I, I, I just couldn't do it. Drafts I sleep in, at night. I no, you want to night. enjoy fantasy footy. He is the kind of guy, we talked about this with Lockie Whitfield just the other day. He is the kind of guy that you don't want to be backing against him for too long because he'll just take a season away from you. He's got that ability. Um, and with the ownership numbers that he has, yeah, no, nah, I'm I'm not betting against Gorn in 2022. I might not, I probably won't start with him, but I'm not hedging my bets against him and and clearly locking him out of my side. And I'm saying, mate, yeah, I, you, I won't start. I won't start with Gorn this year. I yeah. may super coach, but it's unlikely. Yep, only because of the other options. And yeah, uh, it's not about him; it's what's around him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, drafts is interesting, man. Again, I feel like we probably should split it up too because over previous years, no matter the format, he was probably pick one or pick two off the board. Like he was always one of the first. Super coach or an ultimate footy AFL fantasy dream team scoring. It is probably a little bit different. I don't know if people should or would pick him in the first round of an AFL fantasy scoring format, but I actually still think he's right in the conversation for the, the first five or six players off the board on a super coach draft. So I reckon I'm a little bit the other way. I actually think okay. it's a clear first round choice in a single season draft. Only you know, because fantasy of his, as well. Yep. Yeah. Only because of his durability, you know yeah, what he's going to do. He's going to like, I mean, how much of a sleep at night moment is it when you're guaranteed 90 points a week in one of those positions? He's an absolute, and we know he's ceiling. His ceiling yeah, doesn't need to be about. Yeah. Um, the thing is, it's it's nice. And he's durable, MJ. He's so he durable. Miss, he? He no, no even when he's sore. And it's like when he's sore, he fights through things again. Yeah. So, yeah, I actually think he's a clear first-round pick yep. if it's for a single. But I think the interesting one would be a keeper league. Oh, so, yes. So I, I would be going, you know what? I could see a world where Marshall and... Even Jackson, you know, could potentially mean missing yeah. not the be all and end or in a keeper league. No, no, I think that's a really good shout. I, I think a lot of people have got different perspectives. I still think he he will go inside the top four or five rounds of a keeper league because people just won't be able to say no to him, um, given what he could do. Kane and I did a, a top 50 ranks uh, of a keeper league. You can go check the tiers. Our Patreons have got exclusive access to that. If you want to be a Patreon, coachespanel.tv has got all the details. But yeah, keepers is the one that's fascinating for me about what he does, where he goes. He's a brilliant player. Um, but certainly if you are picking him, you are leaning to the now with your keeper league strategy, then you are a little bit more of a, a longer term approach. So I would actually say if you're picking him in a keeper league, have a plan to grab Jackson early on and then cut them both. Yeah, I like that. They should both at some point in their careers have ruck forward eligibility and you might just get that perfect ships in the night transition where one goes into the other role and the other. So I think it's a good shout, man. Hey, as always, appreciate your work on these episodes of the 50 Most Relevant. Easy as.
If you want to go check out the article on Max, there's some more stats, graphs, and a heap of other stuff. Uh, it's at coachespanel.tv. It's also there where you can get the links to join the Patreon supporter group. If over the what past 40 days or so, you've loved these podcasts and you've appreciated them as a part of your daily commute to work or walk around the lake or whatever it is you've been doing, look, we'd appreciate it. If you could jump on board at one of our Patreon supporter tier levels for as little just a couple of bucks a month. You can win some cash prizes, get exclusive content, and a bunch of other things. All the links for the Patreon supporter group is at coachespanel.tv. Well, tomorrow, we're taking that one step closer towards the top 10. Number 11 in the 50 most relevant is a guy that we've been talking about all preseason. I think if we were to look at players I've mentioned through the preseason, his name might just be towards the top of the tree. He's the gift horse we've been given in 2022. But is he the gift horse to start with or to bring in? I don't think the question is, will you own him? The question is, when will you own this player? Who is he? You'll find out tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant. Yeah,